O'Sullivan leads in the dash for the cash at the 300 and he skipped away. Clan O'Sullivan two and a half in front of Sublimate. Quick snip third, then Yachty and Zodiac miss, but Clan O'Sullivan's in front. The Magic Millions belongs to Canberra. Cooksley makes sure as Clan O'Sullivan spread eagles the Magic Millions field. Clan O'Sullivan beats Zodiac miss. Quick snip third from One of the more memorable uh, Magic Millions winner. What a terrific juvenile, Clan O'Sullivan. I was looking at his form this morning. Only had 20 starts, nine wins, four seconds. He won his first start at Canberra, November 91. Then his second start, Canterbury. He's beaten in Brisbane behind Bruce McLaughlin's Supplemate at his third start. Then he bounced back in a blaze of glory. He went to Ballina on New Year's Eve in 91. And then he won the Magic Millions, as you heard, with Terry's call there. He started from an outside barrier. It gave nothing a look in. I think they bet $3. And then after that, he won the Black Opal and, of course, beaten in the Golden Sliver um, behind Burst in 92. But let's talk about him because Frank Cleary's been good enough to join me this morning on Racing HQ. But uh, that would have got you excited, Frank, hearing that again. How are you? Great memory, Steve, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful memory, yeah. Yeah, you won a slipper, of course, um, subsequently with Cat Bird. But this horse had just something X-factor about him, didn't he? Clan O'Sullivan by Zoffany. Yeah, he was a magnificent-looking horse too, Steve. You know, he big chestnut fella, and um, but he had speed to burn. You know, like as you just mentioned, then when he won the Magic Millions, he did he did jump from the extreme outside, and within twenty or thirty yards, he was two in front. A bit like Hootson a few years ago, drew the same gate and very similar cross from the outside barrier. Yeah, well, actually, that day Grant was talking to me about riding in midfield and letting him find find his feet and whatnot. And I said, Jesus, I said, he's got that much on them, you know, like as far as speed goes. I said, don't waste it, mate. Just get across and if they catch you, they catch you. <laughs> Tell me about the, you know, the, the the buying of this horse at that Magic Million sale and who was involved in the purchase all those years ago? <laughs> well, we were looking at yearlings. I was with that silly Malcolm Johnson and we were walking around looking at yearlings and um, Ken had his manager there, Merlin Connolly, and we kept coming back to this big chestnut horse. He had scars all, all off his cannon bone and down around his hocks. He'd obviously been cast somewhere, but I uh, thought, well, that, well, that's not going to worry him. It's all superficial. So we decided we'd buy him. And um, then uh, Ken, Ken said, yeah, well, you can take him back to Canberra with him, which was good. What sort of money did he cost? 33000 33000 What was the budget? Uh, well, it was KT Jones Jr. He's one of the wealthiest guys in America, so I don't think there would have been much of a problem with the budget. Yeah, but, um, and this is why I wanted to chat to you, because yesterday I ran into a, a lovely fellow on the Gold Coast, Tim Connolly, at, at Bumble's Cafe there at the back of Surfers, a, a lovely place called Bud's Beach, um, and he breeds a few horses. And he was telling me about his dad, Merlin, who used to manage the racing interests of, of the owner of Clan. Tell me how your association started with the American businessman, Ken Jones. It was through Wayne Harris. Ken had a horse um, being trained in Newcastle and he he bowed a tendon horse called Denaric. And um, Wayne was riding for a Ken and he said to him that um, he's going to retire him. And Wayne said, why don't you send him up to a mate of mine? He said, he's pretty good with bad-legged horses. And then Ken rang, you know, <coughs> when when I got the phone call, I just thought it was someone taking the mick out of me. Maybe Ricky Stewart or Malcolm, one of those blokes, because he always playing games with me. And... Um, I said, oh, yeah. I said, don't just send one. I said, send a truckload. He said, oh, no, we'll just start on one. I said, all right, yeah. And he, about two days later, this bloody horse walks off the plate. And 
it's Tim that looked like the Harbour Bridge. <laughs> I've got my work cut out here. But anyhow, lo and behold, we got into the races. He, he, um, we took him to Rose Hill first up. Wayne rode him, and he got beat ahead. One of Tommy Smith's horses beat him. And then um, I brought him back to Canberra. He won the Black Eye Whiskey Stakes. And that was the end of him again. It was a turn that went again on him. But I think Ken had seen enough to know we knew what we were doing. And how did you get it right back then? Oh, just patience, you know, like, and um, just uh, keep, uh, we had a, um, a mud mixture called a Morricane back then, and you can, it was very good, very good. It was a, like a buddy tight bandage all the time, but it was drawing all the inflammation out of it, and um, no, it was a wonderful product. I don't think you get any more. Yeah, they exercise the tenders now, don't they? Yeah. 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 And yeah. just back to Clan O'Sullivan, Gus Philpot rode him on debut there in the ACT Canberra. Uh, that was, as I said, the 4th, 5th of November, 91, around Melbourne Cup Day. It was Melbourne Cup Day, yeah. Was it? It was, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd ask Ken to come over and watch him trial. I, I rang Ken, I said, this is the best horse you'll ever own. And he said, oh, he said, oh, I'll come over and watch him trial. So he flew over from Guam to watch him trial. He, he got beat a furlong. And I said, oh, geez, we're in trouble here. Like, and he looked at me as if I was a nutcase. He <laughs> <laughs> told me this is the best horse. <laughs> Anyhow, we got back to the stables and I went right over him. I checked his shins. No, no, no. And then uh, last resort, I checked, I checked his testicles. Well, he bloody near fell over. So I said, there's the problem. So there and then we rang the vet and had him done there and then. And Ken and I sat there and drank a few crownies and... Um, I rang him on Melbourne Cup Day. And, uh, no, the night before the Melbourne Cup Day. So I said, you better come back this horse tomorrow. And he said, no, he said, I can't come up. He said, I've got Elaine's Dream or Elaine's Shadow, one of them in the um, in the Oaks. Anyhow, um, well, behold, I said, oh, well, we'll win. And uh, he rang me the next morning. He said, we're flying up. I said, good. And then the history shows he, he won by 100 yards. He killed him. Yeah. As I said, Gus Philpot. It says here he started six to four on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was 7-2 to two when they opened. And that was back in the days when Canberra had a lot of bookies too. You could get on those days. Now there's only one or two there. How many? How much do you reckon Mr Jones took out of the ring that day? Oh, I don't know, but he looked after us all. Yeah. And what about yourself? Did you cut loose as well if you thought he was a certainty? Yeah, I had a little interest, yeah. Can't disclose too much, do you know that? <laughs> So with yeah. the gelding, what was the gear changes you made with him early on too? Uh, just put the blinkers on him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he always raced in the tapes because he, he was just starting to uh, fill his sesamoids a bit, so we had to tape him every time. But no, he, he got through the job and he just went through the pain barrier every, every start that horse. He was an amazing horse. So just with Ken, what business was he involved in there? You mentioned Guam. Guam, he, he, he was um, Jones and Guerrero. That that was sort of like our Coles and Woolies, and um, and then he was into studs in America. He had Domino Stud in Kentucky, and he had golf courses. Oh, he, he had a lot of business. A good businessman. Did he ever fly you over to his, you know, where he lived? He, he wanted to. He wanted to. He, he even a horse we bought off uh, New Haven at the Gold Coast sales. A horse called Guam Holiday. Because he was forever wanting me to go over to Guam, and as a hint, he, when the papers come through, the horse was called Guam Holiday. And um, so I've, no, I never actually got there, though. No, I never got there. Was, back in the day, I had plenty of bloody horses going on. Canberra, Fulham, Queenie, and Fulham. I, I sort of passed myself on the highway. 
<laughs> so just just back to that first start, Gus, was he, Gus Philpott, riding him in all his work and were you hiding him in that sort of stuff back in those days? The fact that they bet those good odds, 7-2 to two or something, on, on it for his first start? Well, he should have been a bigger price than that because he got beat 100 yards in his trial. And then we um, we snuck him to Queenman and gave him an easy trial, and that's when he showed what he could do, and then brought him back to Canberra. But, um, oh, no, I think it was pretty well disclosed that um, the horse had a lot of ability. And the minute he walked in the enclosure, you know, he just looked like a buddy four-year-old compared to the two-year-olds. Yeah. and then Did you ever see him, Steve? Beg your pardon? Did you see him? I only seen videos of him. Um, I watched a few yesterday after meeting uh, Tim there. Uh, Tim, of course, Merlin Connolly. I met Tim, his his son, and of course he used to deal with him a, do- a lot, didn't you, uh, on behalf of Ken Merlin Connolly? Oh yeah, yeah. We were we were on the phone every second day. Yeah, you know he's a good fellow, Merlin. Real good bloke. Yeah. So I pulled out some of his replays yesterday and watched a few of them. Yeah. No, we. Um, but Timmy was only a young fellow when we first formed our association. Yeah. But he would have only just been in his teens, I think. Yeah. And then you went to Canterbury, bolted him for his next start with Grant Cooksley, and then you got beaten in Brisbane behind Bruce McLaughlin's supplement. What happened that particular day with the clan, his third start? I left him too fat. After, after he went at Canterbury, we said we'd gone up to the Magic Millions, and um, I just freshened him up. And when he walked in the enclosure at Eagle Farm, I had one look at him. I said, geez, I've left him too fat. So... And then I started to panic. I thought, well, I've got to get another run under his belt before we go to the Magic Minions. So I saw the bell on a bracelet and um, I said, well, that would be the ideal place because it was good prize money then too. So we went to Ballina. Oh, that was, that was a funny trip, Steve, going to Ballina. Why, what happened? All these, ca- all these cars are going past us, waving to us. And I was with uh, Greg Nicola, a mate of mine, we called him Hollywood. Everyone's waving and I thought, what's these bloody people? And Hollywood said to me, he said, gee, you know some people. <laughs> what, what had happened? The bloody horse had turned around in the plate. He was looking out the back. He was looking out the back of the plate. There were all these cars going past, waving to us, trying to get our attention. And didn't worry. We just waved back to him and kept going. <laughs> but he's a big horse too. That wouldn't have been easy to turn around. Oh, I don't know how he did it. I still don't know. Wow. But anyway, he, he got around. He's looking out the back. Yeah. It was only when we pulled up to get fuel, but we looked at this here, he's looking out the back, he had a lovely time. And a jockey called Michael Johnson rode him at Ballina, it says here. Johnston. Malcolm. It was Malcolm. It's got Michael here in the form. Must be a uh, typer. Mal- Mal- Malcolm, Malcolm come to Ballina and rode him for me. Right, and then Grant went back Malcolm. on for the big day, as we, as we just heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, Ken was a very loyal bloke, you know. Look, I, I was sort of hunting up to put Malcolm on him in the big race, and uh, Ken said, no, you can't do that. You've got to stick with Grant, so I said, fair enough. Mm. And, of course, uh, then he got to the Magic Millions, and, of course, he won, and then you took him back to Sydney, and he won the Black Opal, and then the Todman. Tell me about Slipper Day, and there was a lot of... Was there a lot of pressure going into this race, given you had this boom two-year-old, and I think Shane Dye and a few others were starting to knock the horse and so on. That got you a bit fired up. Uh, they were pretty well organised. <laughs> you know, if you watch if you watch that race, there was uh, about three or four horses kept taking him on all the way and then riding the straight. Then Shane gets a miracle run and comes up and just beats us right on the line. 
Yeah, no, sour grapes for me, that race. Yeah, gee, that was luck, a bit Luckily, seven years later, I, I, I got cat third and we, for 10 and then we won that race, so yeah. it was good. But tell us how big it was because the whole community in that area, didn't they, ACT got behind this particular horse and buses were going to the, you know, there was bus, big bus loads of people going from Canberra to, to Rose Hill that particular year. Oh, yeah, he, he um, Kenneth provided the buses and all the alcohol and sandwiches and whatnot for the trip down and you know it's just um he was an amazing and kind person uh, mr jones he he had a vision that he um he wanted to help everybody which was good and when he, he um he could see this horse had captured the imagination of everyone in canberra and um he decided he put the buses on for him and i think we had two or three bus loads go down for the for the slipper, but um, anyhow, that was a fairy tale that didn't come to fruition. But um, as I said, seven years later, we got square. Yeah, but even um, watching some of that footage yesterday, I know Tony Campbell, the caller at the time, one of his biggest fans. But people would turn up like heaps of people just to watch him exercise in the mornings, things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh God, you yeah, he had a fair cup. He um. Well, the day he won the Black Oval, he he was the first local, uh, first locally trained horse to win the Black Oval, and um, I remember walking on course, and I'm looking around about the 500 metres. There's there's marquees even right around there. I thought, geez, it's going to be a crowd here today, and out in the middle, and just an enormous crowd turned up, and he didn't let them down. He won easy. Yeah, he was seven to two on that particular day. Yeah, uh, he um, he had a bit on them, but. Um, it was the I had to do a little bit of wheeling and dealing because um, the two BMWs were involved in that. Yes, tell me about it. You were driving a very old car at the time that you retired due to a flat battery and a few problems. Take us <laughs> through that. No, I gave it. I gave it to Gus Philpot. Right. I had an LTD, big brown LTD, and when playing one, I said, "You can have that now." And bloody Gus painted it black. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, no, when we got the two BMWs, and naturally taxation took one of them, so we finished up with one. But that, that's, you know, it was just wonderful memories. You know, you can't replace those memories. Yeah, and you kept the car for a while. You're driving around the ACT yeah, in this fancy oh, yeah, BMW. Yeah. And I had my Raiders 111, uh, the Raiders plates on it. And, um, but in the end, I had to retire because she was buggered, poor old thing. Yeah. But anyhow... You know, you can't replace those memories. That's a great incentive, isn't it? It's like two BMWs plus the prize money on top. What were the B- the BMWs worth back then in the early 90s? Oh, I don't know. I never bothered looking it up. Yeah. Yeah. How thrilling was that? Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. As I said, great memories. Were you a bundle of nerves? How old was Joe at the time, your son Joe? Uh, he was only young, yeah, because uh, that's about 30 years ago, isn't it? Yeah. He'd have been probably 17 or 18. Okay. After he yeah. got beaten in the slipper, I see you raced him at the Gold Coast uh, on, a, on a heavy 10, and he won there as well. Was that the big, what they called the Coca-Cola Classic or something in those days? No, that was a Magic Million race. It was, was it? The, it was called the Australasian Classic because it, it included the New Zealand horses. Okay. Yeah, and um, every time he raced, he always seemed to race against Yachty. It was called Yachty. And when we took him, he, poor old budger, he'd only been in the paddock a fortnight after the Golden Slipper. And then Ken rang me and said, I want to take him back up for the... I said, geez, we're setting me a task. And uh, we took him back up and lo and behold, he won again. And then we took him out to Glen Logan for a spell and then in the next paddock was Yachty. <laughs> 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 he liked the look of this fella. Yeah. 
and then he was able to win. Was it a couple of races or one or two after that, Clan O'Sullivan? Yeah, and then, then they transferred him to um, Sharon Peters at Warwick Farm. So that was a bit hard to swallow, but anyway, that was history. Yeah, what was all that about, the transfer? Sorry? What was that all about, Frank, why they transferred the horse? Uh, they just felt that he needed swimming and, um, you know, probably better facilities than what I had. That would have been emotional for you. Oh, it was. You know, you don't get a horse like that every day of the week and nurture him and carry him through like the record he had. Yeah. 1.8 million he retired with. As I said, nine from 20, Clan O'Sullivan. And then Catbird, where did you source him by Danehill from fitting? He was a um, Easter. Was he? he okay. Was Easter horse, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the Whites race, Mum, didn't they? Fitting? Yeah, yeah. Jeff and Beryl had fitting, yeah. I think Jack tra- Jack Denham trained her, yeah. 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 yeah, that's right. But uh, he, he, um, he, he he won five straight before he won the slipper. You know, and it was a good horse cat there, but he got he got very bullish. Did he? Young, you know, you couldn't do much with him. He was just a complete stallion. And that was yeah. Mark de Monfort, wasn't it? Yeah, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, but I remember you had a horse called Select Prince. He was terrific. Oh, he was a wonderful horse. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Wayne won the Champagne Stakes for me on him. He was a bloody. Big black horse, yeah. He, he looks a lot like this horse I'm racing at Rose Hill on um, Saturday. Yeah, it's what's his my name? Last hooray. My last hooray. Mm-hmm. He's a big black uh, Harry Angel colt. All right. Well, can he run well? He can, yeah. Yeah, he ran fourth in that big two-year race at Canberra the other day. And um, young Jet Stanley's riding him. I just want to get ridden a bit quiet and see what he can do in the, up the straight. And how many do you have in work at Queenby in these days? I've only got three there now. Three. Okay. Yeah, that does me. Yeah, you were born in Canberra, though, weren't you? Sorry? You were born in Canberra? Born in Canberra, but reared, reared and spent most of my life in Queenland. Oh. I had eight years at Rose Hill. I went to Rose Hill for eight years. That was a good experience. I was training right next door to Chris, yeah. Chris Wallace, so it was good. Yeah. Wayne's Bib was another good horse for you. Select Prince, I could go on all day, couldn't I? Yeah, don't forget Friends Venture. He was a champ, too. Yeah. How many did he win for you, Frank? Uh, about 16, I think. Yeah. yeah, Friends Venture. Was that during the 80s or the 90s he raced? Wayne's Bid's probably the best horse I trained. Because he, he, at one stage he held every record in, in Sydney, like the four tracks, and he held the record at all of them. Over what sort of distances yeah. with him, Wayne's Bid? Uh, 1,200. He won a couple at 1,400, but 1,200 was his pet. And where did you source yeah. him from, that particular horse? Uh, um, at a tried horse sale at William Inglis. It was... We often tell the story about two tried horses from Inglises that would come to Queenbean and turned out champions was Wayne's Bid and Take Over Target. Both come out of the same sailing, 1,400 and 1,600. Yeah, we talked about him the other day, Take Over, because he was trained by John Morrish in the early days and I don't think John thought he would stand up to any sort of racing. I think he had knee problems no. or something and then John lost his yeah. life in a shooting accident up in the, the Territory. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but he... Uh, Joe, Joe Jeniak done a wonderful job with him. Oh, he did. I took him all over the world, and I don't think any any other trainer on the planet could have done what Joe did with him. He just took him everywhere and he kept winning. But even Crew to Queen's a good story. Read the Midians as well came from that way. Yeah, Neville had her, Neville late. Yeah, she was just up the road from us. That was one of the fairy tale stories. That was 2011 when she won it, Crew to Queen. Yeah, yeah. So 
uh, I know, a few good horses come out of this area. They do indeed. Well, thanks for reminiscing a bit about the clan this morning, uh, Clan O'Sullivan, Frank, and you just did a great job um, taking me through those sequence of, of feature wins, including that you know, huge Magic Millions win all those years ago. Lovely to chat with you again. Good on you. Thanks for the call, Steve. That's a pleasure. Uh, Frank Cleary telling us a bit about one of the Millions winners, uh, Clan O'Sullivan.